0: The costume does.
1: Welcome to the Kentucky Ghost Hunter Show. The lights are dim, the candles are lit, and we're here for another great show. We've uh, actually got a great guest. Before we get to them, I want to say hi to everybody that's out there. And Kevin Quatman, my co-host. How how are you doing tonight, buddy?
0: I'm a little exhausted, but I'm doing well. Yeah, he well, sent me I'm... a
1: text and said, uh, "Hey, make sure that we don't go over today because I'm I'm really tired." So I'm going to make sure that we don't go over. Yeah, last week we went over what 20 minutes or something like that. Wow, I mean, we really. We really hit it down. But anyway, we've got, uh, well, I'll tell you what, the guests tonight, all I can do is say wow about it. Uh, I'm sure some of you in the paranormal world have heard of this gentleman and his wife. And uh, if you have not heard of him, you will soon. Uh, Christopher St. Booth and Rachel Marie Booth are online with us tonight. How are you folks doing tonight?
2: Uh, very good, thank you very awesome. much.
1: You're leaving us speechless already. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking at you know usually when we have guests here it's like a, a well they do this and they do this but I've got like a whole page of stuff you've done, Christopher, and it's it's awesome. Let me, let me make sure I get it all right. You're the producer composer at Sony Sci-Fi Channels Chiller and Destination America. You're founder photographer at Haunting Captures. You're the owner, producer director at Spoot. Uh, what is it? Spook Production Studios, content producer at Spook TV. I mean, you've done it about all, and I know you've got uh, movies on Sci-Fi. Do you not? Or you've had- yeah, movies on. Yeah, we have movies on Sci-Fi. We have
2: uh, movies on uh, uh, Destination America Discovery. Uh, movies on Amazon. Movies on Sony Pictures. We do. I mean, we we've, we've been doing
1: it for a long time. We so have about like
2: thirteen pictures out right now.
1: Wow, that's a lot of picture, man. I mean, not many people can boast of that, especially in our field. If
0: a I had a call, of... you also sing, right?
1: I mean, I was in a
2: big no, I was in a big rock and roll band when I was eighteen, and and I still do music. I still actually do all the music for the films. But uh, when I was eighteen, I was in a gold gold uh, record uh, winning band called Sweeney Todd, which actually I replaced a guy named Brian Adams. Adams was the old thing and I replaced him.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> well, as I said, his resume is extensive here. I'm I'm impressed. Thank you very much for being on the show tonight both of you. Not I've got to ask you how in the world did you meet Rachel and how long have you been married?
3: Um <laughs> I want to know his version of the story. Oh yeah, that's you know I always
1: get the husbands in trouble when I have husbands and wives on. This is the best way to do it. So don't don't help him at all, Rachel. Let him suffer through this. I, well,
3: I'm
1: listening
3: intently.
1: Well, we've been
2: married four years. What? No, five years. Well, there goes <laughs> the there divorce. Another? It's, well, it seems like it's 25 years, right? It'll be five, maybe.
3: yeah. It will be, five. be.
2: Will be though. Yeah. Well, it's officially four, but it four will be. Half, it okay. will be five. You see, I am right.
3: You're not entirely. Yeah. Yet. And we
2: met at a, a convention, um, a Dead Wintercon, which was actually in Somerset, Kentucky, and that was um, what five years ago, six, six? almost six years ago. Six.
3: Tomorrow? Yep. No, wait, no, no, no. Our, our sixth anniversary is tomorrow. We met six years ago, like a while ago.
2: Yeah, so almost yep, six years ago. Thank you. And that's my story. And you've heard her in the background correcting <laughs> me. So.
3: I've got a bat for these occasions. <laughs>
1: So, uh, now, Rachel, are you from Kentucky? or I mean, how in the world did you guys end up in, in – because I know where Somerset is. I'm from Kentucky. You can tell by the name I've got. But Somerset's like a really small little town. How did you both end up there at the same time?
3: Uh, I was actually uh, born in Texas, and then my parents moved up to Indiana. And uh, I started modeling, and a friend of mine was like, oh, let's go to this horror convention. I was like, okay, Cool. And um, she goes, oh, my God, Christopher and Philip are here. And I was like, who? <laughs> and she said, oh, my God, we got to go take you over there to meet him. And I was like, I don't want to meet producers. Aren't they all assholes? <laughs> and she goes, no, no, these guys are great. And I'm like, no, I don't want to meet these guys. And she pointed over to Chris. And I went, is that the one you're talking about? And she said, yeah, and I know Never mind. Let's go. <laughs> So she took me over there and met me, or we met, and uh, honestly, it was um, instant connection. Uh, And it wasn't even, it had nothing to do with what he did, it had to do with his personality. And uh, the man behind all of the magic was uh, the instant connection. So, um, yeah, it was amazing.
1: Well, Chris, for a lot of people that are in our in our field, I mean, there's a lot of people that's tried to get where you are as far as making movies and being involved with the networks and stuff. How in the world did you accomplish it? Well,
2: to be honest with you, I, I mean, I really wasn't into the paranormal at all. I was a musician for the longest time and several touring rock and roll bands and ended up in Los Angeles. And I lived in L.A. for 35 years, um, basically. And then um, I started doing movies through that time because uh, music wasn't paying enough, like, unfortunately, it doesn't. And um, I started getting into the production of, of motion pictures and started doing uh, horror movies. And then we actually were um, going to do a horror movie in uh, a town uh, called Louisville, Kentucky, right? <laughs> and so yeah, that's I, right down the road, so, road from me. I, yeah, I'm British, and I lived in L.A., so we flew from L.A. to look at this location, and it was Waverly Hill Sanatorium. And this was in 2003, so nobody had ever filmed there and uh, really did that place, didn't really have a name as it does now. And uh, we decided to rewrite the script to match what really happened at Waverly because the script that the other producer had written was about something completely different. So we changed the script and wrote it about the, you know, the truth and the legend. Uh, folklore of some of the ghosts that were residing in Waverly as well, we put in a lot of the real fact, And that became a movie called Death Tunnel. And Death Tunnel was then picked up by Sony Pictures, and it became, you know, a cult film at that point. At the same time, while we were filming, paranormal activity happened in Waverly Hill Sanatorium to us and the film crew. So I decided to bring another crew in to film us filming. And that became a documentary, and Sci Fi Channel wanted the documentary. And they released that, and that was Spook the Ghost of Waverly Hill Sanatorium. And that did really well on the Sci Fi Channel. So after that, Sci Fi Channel sorted out to do a lot of paranormal documentaries and films. So, you know, figure that 10 years later, um, we, we we've been working for Sci-Fi Channel, and then we started doing even more films for Sci-Fi, as well as Death America, America went ahead and picked up a lot of our other productions. So that's kind of how we got into it. But Waverly Hills was really the one that kind of popped my cherry, so to speak, in the paranormal field, Because I really felt it and saw it before I never really, you know, before you kind of go like, what was that? You didn't really think about it. But after that, you know, it was like all this stuff I couldn't explain.
1: Elaborate a little bit, because Waverly Hills right now, and everybody listening to us knows about Waverly Hills. It's probably one of the most haunted places in the United States. Your documentaries has been there, and there's been other documentaries done on it too. But tell us some of your experiences there while you're filming. You said you had some paranormal experiences there. What kind of stories can you tell us about it? Uh, well, the one that, that
2: that is the most memorable for me because like, it was the first is that we went down there to scout. Okay, we went down there to. Figure out where the lighting's going to be to light the depth tunnel, the body chute. And um, if people that don't know what it is, it's a tunnel that leads from the top of the hill where the hospital ends, and it goes um, 500 feet down to the bottom where the trains uh, at that time would pick up, you know, supplies and drop off supplies. Well, people were dying quite a lot at that point, so they were sneaking the bodies out at night in this tunnel. And then the trains would pick them on and take them to you know, either the families or um, I guess basically get rid of them if they didn't have anybody that claimed the body. And so um, I went, we were shooting in that as well. So we went down the scout and figured out where the cables would go, the camera, the lighting. And I was left at the bottom of the tunnel, and the rest of the crew went on to look at a different place. And then I turned around, and I, I felt the most overwhelming sense of fear and um, oppression, depression, uh, just tragedy. And it really, it made me sick. I mean, I felt really ill. And so I had this inclination to say, take a photo. So I took a photo and then I had to get out of there because it was just getting too crazy. I guess the fear kicked in. So I ran up to the top of the tunnel and I started throwing up. I I, just was just, I don't know whatever happened and it was terrible. And um, I wasn't, you know, classified myself as any kind of empath at that time. Or I was just, more, I guess, more sensitive to the situation. So I didn't really think about it. And then two weeks later, I looked at those at those location photos that I'd taken. And that one that I talked about, uh, there appeared to be a little girl standing in front of me, a ghost girl, that looked like she didn't have any eyes. And um, on the audio recorder, video recorder that was on, I heard a scream at the same time that I had taken the picture, and it was the scream of a little girl. And, um, you know, that was it. I got hooked up to that. So throughout the film, uh, we left it in. You can see shadows, and you can hear, hear EVPs, and we left that in the motion picture. So the place is really active.
1: So, Rachel, are you involved in Paranormal now?
3: Um, I...
1: Yeah.
2: I am a lot she, more yeah, she, now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she loves it too. I remember taking her the first one, and um, now she's she. It was really easy for her because it was just for her, I think, to believe in her sensitivity. Can you tell her a little bit of all that?
3: Well, I I knew that <laughs> I knew that I was kind of different um, because when I was five years old, I started seeing things. But I didn't really talk about it with people because that's not normal. <laughs> and uh, so when I actually found people that did the same stuff, I was like, Okay, I don't feel weird anymore. So it was cool to uh to be around other people that uh were looking for things that I've I've been seeing my whole life. Uh so it made me feel much more comfortable to be around people in the paranormal than regular people. <laughs>
1: than regular people I don't know if we'll have to cut that one out <laughs> Rachel let me let me go here with you still because uh, you know I, you've just been married for well I think you said four but it's getting ready to go on five so you you weren't into the paranormal until you actually married Christopher is that correct? I didn't go on
3: paranormal investigations and, um, I I always was interested in it um, and I actually had a lot of experiences, like I said, since I was younger, but I wasn't actually doing investigations until Christopher.
1: So in the last five years, have, have you felt or have you seen that the uh, paranormal, the world of the paranormal is getting more... Po- we talked to a... Uh, uh, um, oh, I can't remember who it was. It was a meeting we talked to, I think it was last week, and... Uh, she was saying, and she's part of the, the movie scene as well up there in Los Angeles, but she was saying that it before, and Chris, for this is to you too, before when it came to the entertainment world, that they really didn't uh, look at the paranormal as being serious now, but it seems to be changing now. The environment's changing up there around people that make movies and, and are looked at. Uh, you know, it, it is a uh, role model for people here in the United States and abroad, but it looks like that it's becoming more popular in the in the world of movie making as far as actual being believed in. Do you two find that to be true? I think that, um,
2: you know, when I was in Los Angeles, when I lived in Los Angeles for quite a many times, there wasn't really a lot of, you know, I mean, there's not a, a lot, per se, promoted haunted places. In California, except for the obvious, you know, four or five you keep hearing the Rosebud Hotel, the Forever the Cemetery, you know, places like that. But, um, I think that a lot of it's got to do with the money they've made from, um, film, horror films, conjuring series, and all these movies. Hollywood really knows there's a buck to be made. So, in some senses that is the degree. Um, I know that, that, um, when we had, you know, given a, give you an idea, working with the studios, say the latest film that we have on Sci-Fi Channel called Dead Still, which is about a, uh, a haunted Victorian death camera that they would use to take post-mortem photos, a camera, you know, a turn-of-the-century camera that was used to do a lot of post-mortem photos in the sense of, you know, when they were dead, they would prop them up and take pictures of them. Um when we wrote the story about it, we I wanted to use a real death, you know, post mortem turn of the century camera, one that actually was used for death photography. They didn't want to do it, but they were very um, superstitious. <laughs> you know, they said, no, 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 let's, let's just get a, any kind of, you know, let's get a camera that isn't haunted. And I go, no, you got to try and use a real haunted camera. And I think the studios are very superstitious. I know that when I was doing exorcism live for the Discovery Channel, where they were exercising a house, um, live on television, which was, I think, a couple of years ago they did that on live television. Um, I was there, and none of the network would, would dare go in the house at all. They would not, the exorcist house, the real exorcist house, um, they wouldn't go into it at all, um... Of course, you know, we made a movie about the real exorcist house in 2010 called The Exorcist File. We were actually the first people inside the house to actually film the inside of the house and actually do the very first paranormal investigation inside the real exorcist house. And um, that, that was crazy. So what I guess I'm trying to say is that I think they're very superstitious of it, but I really think they're opening it because there's a lot of money to be made on that subject matter. But I also do think the world is changing too. So people are getting a little bit more spiritual over there, especially.
0: But superstitious wise, isn't it said like in poltergeist and there's a variety of horror movies that bad things have happened during the movies. I mean, people have been killed hurt. I mean, there's a lot of activity happens. It seems like when people make horror movies.
2: That's what they say. I mean, you
0: know
3: There's the, a lot of propaganda too to help
2: marketing. Yeah, I mean I agree. There there is a lot of things that are connected to that, whether it was poltergeist with the the poor girl getting murdered and and a lot of accidents and the exodus where the set burned down and and uh, one of well, the accidents, pol- I believe. And poltergeists actually, so. poltergeist, actually
0: used and poltergeists they actually use real skeletons. You yeah, know well that? see I
2: think yeah, in some sense, yeah. Yeah, they actually with the burial grounds. I mean, that is exactly... though You're dealing with a whole different concept there as well, and you do, you're kind of doing something more... Maybe that might be possibly disrespectful. I'm not really sure, you know, if they felt that way. But but I think, That'd you nice. know... I think a lot of uh, it is propaganda, too, marketing. That, you know, I mean, the first thing is, oh, all this stuff really happening on the exit set. Well, we were in the real exorcist house, and I know what really happened there, and it was very dark and very depressing. But I have to say that, you know, a lot of things work in different ways than just suddenly something is happening. You know, it's more of a depression and makes you kind of want to go do something that's not cool, you know, whether it's your financial you know, side gets ruined or your health gets ruined or whatever, because you are not balanced and you focus on the negativity after that. I, being a more of a document documentary filmmaker, I find that as long as you don't exploit it and you don't um, do something in a bad light, you actually just do it more of a unbiased situation where you're there to tell a story and you hope that the story helps create closure, which is what it's all supposed to be about in paranormal field. You're supposed to be there to create closure, and I believe that at that point. You have an immunity not to be harmed because I believe that the energy knows your true self. Like if you're, you know, you're a dick and you go in there, people, you, you know, the ghosts are going to de-energy, so to speak. The spirits are going to know that you're not a very nice, nice person, but you're pretending to be. You know, it's always yes. I always get a kick out of, you know, the uh, psychics and sensitives and even people in the um, the celebrity ghost um, business, so to speak, you know, where these people are so famous and you go up and, oh, I've watched you on television. Now, uh, Can I just say hello to you and shake your head and say, I've enjoyed the show? And then they don't give you the time of day. They just go, whatever. Don't, you know, they, they're very arrogant, very, you know, uh, the opposite to being sensitive. And you have to say, is, well, if you can't even talk to a human being, how the hell can you even talk to a ghost?
1: right yeah amen now rachel what's your opinion on this so far rachel i mean you're you've been in entertainment world How, how how are they accepting you now that you're in a paranormal investigation stages and all that
3: um i in in the beginning i think it was probably more um on my end because i have a lot of social anxiety um so i think maybe it was harder for me in the beginning but um people are very accepting and very caring and especially when you're showing people that you care about what you do and you're going in looking to help those that are on the other side, What you know, whatever people want to call them. Uh, if you're there to help them and people see that and they, you know, they start to go, okay, yeah, we, we see what you're doing here. You're not looking to be a, um, a, a ghost digger, so to speak, you're looking for ways to make money, that's, you know, once people see that you're not that kind of person, they're they're a lot more accepting, a lot more caring towards you, and um, they really open their arms and invite you to the family, <laughs> so to speak. So, um, I haven't had any problems in the last few years, so...
2: I think the real... Yeah. I think that made meet a lot of real genuine people the balance of meeting really beautiful people compared to, you know, there's always that one person that you, you know, don't want to really hang with. But in my, in my feeling, there was the people, our fans and the people that we meet all the time on the different ghost hunts and the different shows we do are really beautiful people.
3: And, and not only can you, um, can you have a good investigation with the people that, that come and investigate with us, you can also have a good time too. So it's, it's not all everybody sitting around like quiet and feeling awkward. Like, you know, if, if you're a person, which these people are and they've passed, they want to have fun too. They're, you know, they don't know they're dead. (laughs) So if you're Mm -hmm. just sitting there and not able to have a conversation with other people, how are you going to have, like Chris said, how are you going to have a conversation with these people that have passed? So, um, to show and set up communication with anybody in the group that you're doing an investigation with, I think, opens up the communication with um whatever you're trying to communicate with.
0: Well, I can, I can vouch for both of you as being very genuine. Uh every time we've met you, you've been nothing but spectacular. So very exactly. outgoing and friendly, and you're not one of those people that are just like, look at me. Um you know, I'm being successful. You're you're very down to earth and easy to talk to. And I know Denise loves you, thank Rachel to you. death. Um, oh, thank you. But but what's your uh's viewpoints on like like my group? We like you know, if if we go to a location, we don't do too many public places anymore. Um, just because things are being brought into these places and we don't know who's been there and what's been brought in, but we, we won't turn away somebody who wants help. If there's a spirit in there that wants to be crossed over, we'll cross them. But a lot of these locations anymore are like absolutely big warning signs. Do No crossovers. no, Because they're making money on these poor spirits. What's your all's view on that? Because my view is, hey, if they want to be crossed over, I mean, come on. So what's your viewpoints on that? I
2: mean, I've never ran into people lately. You know, I mean, it's hard for me to you know, kind of say that people that I know is like that um, and don't, but I'm, I have to say that most of the locations that I've gone to, they're fine with crossing over, even though, you know, the, hey, you know, come over and ghost hunt here. If you cross over people, I'm going to have no ghost. Here. I'm not going to have a Um, I find that they're pretty. All the owners that I've, on all the places, are really, really beautiful, and they're more in love with the history in the building and the ghosts are just, and the spirits and the energy just come along with the place. But they are uh-huh. obsessed with their buildings, and they're very passionate about it to the point that it could be dangerous, I think, in a way, uh, financially. Um, so, and they've all the places that we go to are pretty fair, even on their pricing, to get in there. There are a couple of very big places, and I won't mention the names, that have gotten out of hand and um, it will cost you phenomenal arm leg just to go there so, you know, each not to even mention if you're trying to film it if it's not in the budget it's not in the budget, it doesn't matter how haunted the place but you know what I'm well, saying? Waverley's so,
0: Waverly is <laughs> one of those <laughs> now it's so expensive uh, to go there uh, well,
2: Waverly, Waverly Hills, when we were there um, it was um, never really opened up We, I mean, we were the first to really tour the entire first floor, and it was under a really bad uh, damage of the, of the weather, but it was incredible because the walls were like warped, and it was like very Tim Burton, you know, uh, sort of art direction to film in there. And uh, when we were there, it was, a, it was a very nice experience. And of course, you know, once you take a place and start cleaning it out because you need to, because of health reasons, Um, it starts to look more like a cement structure. There is no more really a personality as far as the inside. And a lot of these places become so clean, they kind of lose their charisma. So it's a catch-22, you know, whether how much you can take it to keep it safe, take it back without making, you know.
0: Yeah, I've never been to Waverly myself, but I've been to Trans-Allegheny. And Trans-Allegheny to me is just a... uh... We didn't catch anything there, really. They didn't have much evidence, but that whole place is just the Lord, as big as it is. And in the building the inside still looks like the original. Um, you know, it, it's still got all the doors and paint, and it don't look like the bare bones. Like, I see pictures of Waverly. It just seems like it's just concrete, like you're talking about there.
2: Yeah, the inside, Well, it is, the hallways are very creepy, though. I mean, Waverly is, I think, one of the most haunted places, I think, in the world. And I recommend anybody that, you know, wants to go to a haunted place to go there. I've never been to the Transogenic Lunacy Asylum in in Virginia there, like you mentioned. I know the owner, uh, but I've never been there. And I know it's fabulous, but I know that it's very expensive for us as a production company to even try to take on a, a project there and making it worthwhile. So that's the main reason we haven't gone down there and filmed that place. I have to be affordable to uh the network's budget, otherwise um,
0: right. we won't well, do that, it. That's the problem, yeah. the cost, because if you, even for a paranormal investigating team, it's expensive, and then you only get six to eight hours. You don't really even have enough time to really truly investigate the place. So I like to go to places sometimes that are that aren't really on the maps that you can literally spend as much time as you want. They're pretty much you know an open door like yeah you come on back the next day or next week or you know they really want to learn about the history of it
2: well one i mean yeah i mean there's a couple of really great places that are just really really fun and inexpensive and you can hang there pretty much almost all night if you want to and that would be uh Randolph county asylum which is in winchester indiana which is an old orphan and infirmary and the building that has it has gothic towers and it's really cool and uh and it's in great condition and it's a very healthy building. Uh, we we're actually doing a show there on May tenth which there are tickets we sold the May eleventh show out but we're doing one there on May tenth So there are tickets available for that one. And the other one is uh, St Albans Sanatorium in uh, Virginia. Uh that's incredible place because the History that went behind that. And and what you can get when you go in there, you'll get lost. It's like the Winchester House of Asylum. You just keep going and keep going and keep <laughs> going. And it's got you guys ready for this, and I don't know if you've been there. It has 15 real isolation cells. Not like chambers where they say they put people and it really is a food storage closet. But I mean the real cells. And you can go in there and close the door and, you know, and the are, windows are all, you know, barred and there's no way out of the door. Um, it's very scary and very, very cool if you you know, you know like that sort of stuff. And we do. We were filming our new movie there, actually. And the other one is Ashmore State, which is in Ashmore, Illinois. The vibes and the energy there are incredible. And that's no an poor and again, the owner there, like the other owners of the other two places I mentioned, are beautiful people and they work with you. And that's what makes it a beautiful um, time when you go out to these locations.
0: Well, the first one you mentioned, isn't it, is not that owned by Dan Allen? Is that his name? Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Okay, I've met him before. We've gone to his uh, jail up in uh, Hartford, Indiana. Yeah, that's before.
2: correct. Yeah, Dan Allen one, yes. And it's a great place. It's just And it has all the rooms, the doors, it has a cell in one of the rooms, the basement's really creepy. It's just a great place to go in there and it's it's very inexpensive compared to the other places. And and if you haven't been to the St. Albans, as I mentioned, in Virginia, you've got to go. And of course, all the money goes to help keep that place open. And I've never met one of the most uh, truly passionate owners with Marcel who owns that place. She's beautiful. And she is in love with that place It makes you want to you know, be in love with her. Of course, you get all kinds of myth, uh, evidence when you come back from, like, very dark evidence. I mean, I think we were in one yeah. of the isolation cells. Oh,
3: my goodness.
2: And we had a little girl singing one second on the um, an EVP of a little girl singing. Well, on the spirit box, we had a, another male entity just swearing away all at the same time. So you're talking about having wow. two different kind of energies going on at the same time. And it was, like,
0: real time. So that's a very cool play. So, Rachel, what's your favorite place to investigate?
3: Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I really I really do love St. Alvin's, uh, though Ashmore Estates is, like, it, it's always felt like a home away from home to me. Um, I have spirits there that during an investigation will call my name and other people will hear it. It's like they, they know I'm there and they're happy that I'm there. They even mess with people um, that are named Rebecca and call them Rachel just to mess with them. It's, just, it's like an ongoing joke, the Rachel and Rebecca thing from the Bible. Um, <laughs> it's a joke between me and a couple other Rebeccas. Uh, but it's... Uh, that I love that place. Um, but St. Alvin's is really... Uh, there's something about it. It's got... It has a range of different uh, spirits and different feelings there. In, in one room, you could have completely happy spirits, sweet little things. And then in, in one room, you have the weirdest feelings. And then in another hallway, you feel like somebody's following you and you're completely freaked out. So you get a wide variety of uh, different feelings in one investigation, which I think is pretty cool.
0: So it's like a real asylum.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, Christopher, let me ask you, when you guys go to these investigations, since you are in the movie industry and, and you're probably pretty familiar with this equipment and stuff, what do you suggest to people to do the, the best technique to get the best results in an investigation?
2: Well, I think there's nothing better than a really good tape recorder, you know, whether it's uh, uh, a digital handheld or even use your phone. I found that using uh, uh, recording your um, spirit box, the diction, um, the, the uh, especially digital recorders, even like a cell phone help filter a, a spirit box. Because you, sometimes you you know you listen to a spirit box kind of just all rambling and mumbling, and you think it says something. And I find when you listen it listen to it back on a a digital recorder has a tendency of filtering in it, but I think there's nothing better than a really good uh, audio recorder. And um, I do like the SLS. You know, I think you can only you know take maybe 30% of what you get from those. Um, and I do like thermal images. So those are pretty cool. The, the more of the expensive ones. So, but my my favorite ones really is just my gut feeling go in there and and take a picture when I'm told to feel like I need to take a picture and and do a really good EVP session.
1: Now, you guys, you do a lot of documentaries. That's what you are specializing in, correct? Yeah. Okay. What's the difference? Because I've been asked this before, and, and basically you're in this business. So what is the difference in a uh, – um, I guess, a reality TV series compared to your documentaries? I know there's a lot more that goes into it, but I, I, kind of give me your opinion on the reality TV because everybody in the paranormal world has different opinions about it and then kind of relate the difference between what you do and what they do.
2: Well, I mean, a reality show is is not real.
1: <laughs> that, that's um, kind of no where matter, I was getting at. That's kind of where I was getting at. Yeah, but go ahead. Um,
2: no matter what, I don't care what they say. I mean, you know, it's like I was watching a clip of the, is it the Pawn Shop show? I'm I not Pawn
3: Stars. Pawn Stars.
2: And you know, and the, you know, the guy brings in a guitar, the girl brings in a guitar, and he's belongs to Phil Collins of Def Leppard. And then within five minutes, in comes Phil Collins from Def Leppard. You know, it's like, come on, this is so staged and so set up. You know, it's it's very much like that in the paranormal. It's like. You know, if you don't have a ghost for me in 20 minutes, find me one. Because, I mean, you, your ratings are all justified on what excitement and what you get out of the show. So basically, all, all these reality shows, unfortunately, are slaves to commercials. They are slaves that they they have to make so many ratings that they get canceled. I mean, if you like one point under your rating, you are canceled. Um,. But what we do, documentaries, we go in and tell more of the history and story, and we work more off the human emotion, which drives the fascination and almost the appearance of the spirit, and there's nothing better than a really good, warm, human ghost story, and when you start finding out the history of these sad, lost souls, and you start delving into it, you start to get... a at least for us, we start to get invested, part of our personal um, family into it. Meaning that we are, we really want to, to help now, and and the only way we can really help is by trying to tell a story of somebody that may be forgotten. So as far as I think the, the documentaries are just, you know, maybe just a little bit more realer, and and um, and just truly an honor and a memor- memoriam to The Lost Souls, where reality shows are based on numbers, based on sexy-looking ghost hunters in some of these shows. Uh, images. it's more important to have somebody look good than actually find you know, the evidence. And then, you know, that's why the evidence a lot of these shows might have to be kind of white-lied because nobody wants to watch a show where you get no evidence. Which, if you you know, as a ghost hunter, you can do about you can stay in a place all night and get nothing, then you can go the next day and get something.
3: Nothing with
2: me. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> what cracks me up though, Christopher, is this is in Rachel. I watch paranormal shows just for the locations. I enjoy them. Uh, ghost Adventures is probably my favorite, but I watch these shows and it just cracks me up because I I watch stuff online like people's forums, and all these people are like. Well, he would never fake evidence. He would never fake it. He's legit. And these people are all, it's like watching big time wrestling. You know, everybody knows big time wrestling's real from the aspect. Yeah. They beat each other up, but they all know at the end of the day, it's a scripted match. They know going in who the winner is going to be, even though they do hit each other here and there and toss each other around. Paranormal is the same thing, but these people act like you just said ratings, but these people I watch in these message boards are all like, well, he would never fake the evidence. I'm like, come on. I mean, really? I mean, it's, it's all about TV. It's all about entertainment.
2: That's what right. I mean, with all the respect, all you've got to do is you can enjoy a show that is a little bit more over the top, and you realize that's what it is. Exactly. You know, I mean, there's a very fine line between some of these ghost shows and the TV show Supernatural. It's like quirky, fun, exciting, sexy, good-looking, and, and over-the-top evidence. There's a really fine line to these, but where you watch some of the more serious shows like Say National Geographic, that on that channel or even on Discovery, way before the Naked and Afraid crap came in, you know, <laughs> stuff that actually was not just, you know, U.S. watch people run around naked. You know, people stuff that really like Planet Earth, the BBC shows where they put beautiful music and beautiful cinematography and 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 they respect what they're filming. You know, that I think about it. Why could that not be in a paranormal field? beautiful music, beautiful cinematography, beautiful evidence if you can get it, of course, and 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 you know, interviewing very real people without yeah. jumping to, you know, like I've I never understood why you need to talk about what you need to eat, and have a donut when we're, we're there to do the thing because you want real people. I get that, but there's so much cool shit that you can capture and do what really goes on in a ghost town, like. I know that when we were doing Exorcism Live, uh, I think Philip and I should have filmed the behind the scenes because that was incredible what was going on behind the scenes of that network show compared to, you know, when they actually did the live show because people were afraid. They were afraid to walk in that house. And that's the kind of stuff we like to capture is the reality of it.
0: Well, let me ask you a question, Chris, because you brought this up with the music. I have a tendency when I go places, I like to bring a speaker. We, a, big a, speaker. Pretty, a, a big, big speaker. A big speaker. But I will I, – I, I did crank it one place, but normally I'll just sit there and play. Like if I go to a place where there's a lot of Civil War history, I will just play Civil War music. You know, the music they played back in the 1850s and 60s and 70s. And I'll just play that kind of music. And I just find that in my belief system – Spirits like music they can relate to it. Do you find the same thing
2: yes and 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 one thing that we had proven we had done uh a place called the one uh one the para cafe It's an old diner, and it has a uh, like a old hotel above it, which is really pretty really cool we found that when you sat there and tried to do EVPs, it was very hard to capture anything, but when you were just there sitting and joking and being just normal, so to speak. You don't get so serious, right? You're just all normal, and you start singing, you start playing around and joking. You start seeing EVPs all over yourself, meaning you start to feel more comfortable creating the environment to be more comfortable. I mean, there's no doubt that they're going to feel tense if you are tense. And, you know, even in real life, when you know, I kind of put up a front, then you kind of put up a front, and we aren't even communicating. You know, but if I come across you cross, you know, like a, down
0: to earth, and then we connect, and then we will have a conversation. We, we find the same thing. Just having generic conversation sometimes brings out the best dvps. And like Rachel said earlier, you got to have fun doing this. Um, we joke around sometimes. You got it. You can't take it all too too serious you got to have a light side because otherwise I think it's going to mess with your mind too much.
2: It does. And that's exactly right. Cause I know that when we did our show back in
0: 2010,
2: we did the story of the real X where we got a copy of the real diary and we followed all the steps of it, basically starting in St. Louis where they brought the boy to the um, uncle's house. And we went to the real house and we interviewed the real family of the real exorcist. We interviewed the real family of the real boy and oh. we were finding out all kinds of stuff, but it was getting heavy. Because you know, we were it, because we we're finding out a lot of this stuff was true, You know, and you know, here you got this real diary and you're in the real house you're reading what happened. Oh my God, the bed flew across the room and this is a room that it happened in and it does it really happen and you know, it's very heavy and You know, and then I had to go back and edit the film. And then I had to listen to, you know, the audio recordings of Annalise Michelle, which is the real Emily Rose. If you've ever heard those real audio tapes, they're horrendous. So imagine listening to that on headphones while you're editing the real Exodus story, reading the real diary. You just start to feel dark. So you need to have that sense I mean, You need to put it down and walk out and look at the roses and smell the air and look at the blue sky and, you know, play with your kids and, you know, play with the dog and, and start to be grounded. Otherwise, you could be taken over. And I realized that.
1: How do you keep yourself from being taken over on the movie sets and everything, Christopher? Do you guys use particular protections, or is it just a a mental thing? Because I know when you go in there and you guys are dealing with, uh, like you were at Waverly Hills and you had that situation occur where you got sick, do you guys take particular care to protect you and the crews when you go to these places? Well,
2: you know, a lot of the crew are non-believers. So I think some of the crew, as far as film crew, they feel they're protected because they don't believe in it. And you know, people that don't believe in it feel that, ah, and they don't, you know, until something something happens in front of them, they get scared, shitless, like a baby, you know, they freak out, which is always fun to watch. It's always fun to watch. (laughs) Yeah, I told you. But I find that because I'm behind a camera, I feel an aura of protection And I also, even when I was dealing with, you know, Satan himself in the exorcist story, because the possession is not by, you know, um, one of the minions. It's actually Lucifer himself that's in there. So you're dealing with really heavy stuff. You're dealing with the Vatican. You're dealing with um, very... These people take it very seriously and, of course... If you believe in God, you have to believe in the devil because both need to be to exist. So you can't just say, oh, I don't believe in that, but I believe, you know, in Jesus. And I believe in, you know, obviously I believe in God and Jesus. I also believe in Buddha, and I believe in spirituality because I believe it's almost pretty much the same. But that means I must believe in darkness, and I must believe in... You know, the evil of man. So, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is um, I find that uh, we have um, an enlightened view on this, where we try to keep very positive and very spiritual. But behind the camera, we're documenting it. So we are telling the story. If you're telling the story of the demon, so to speak, demon's main personality is not statistic so not being narcissistic means you want to be in front of the camera. You want to be told. You want the limelight. You want to control. So they're going to perform for you in that sense. They're not going to stop it. Because if they would hurt you, then who would tell their story? So I have that kind of a... That's just my view.
3: On the other side of it, Chris goes... Go in that room. I want to see what happens. I don't get to be behind the camera. So I have to like stage it up, crystal the crap out of myself, so and then the... take a bath. Done. I'm the guinea pig that he throws so you're, in. You're and he's the... like, oh, let's see what happens, guys.
0: So you, Rachel, you're the Aaron Goodwin from Ghost Adventures. Zach's like, yeah, Aaron, why don't you go into that and go sit in that uh Morgue for a while.
3: <laughs> exactly. Chris put me in one of those. Uh, what was it? The autopsy table. He's like, get yeah. in that. I'm like, no. And he's like, yeah. And there I was on an autopsy table. <laughs> I'm like, this is creepy, but it's okay because I, you know, I think that uh, people are more scary. <laughs> Real people in the right. world are more scary than. Anything a spirit can do. Now, yes, a spirit can feed on your fears and that can grow and that can cause great amounts of anxiety, but that's all they can do. They really can't do anything unless you let them do it to you. So when you go into uh, any place and you're like, okay, you can't do anything to me and I have dominion because I'm living and you're not you can't follow me home. You can't do this to me. They have to listen. So, uh, when I go into it that way, I'm not scared of it.
1: So have you experienced being scratched or anything like that, Rachel?
3: Christopher has, um, I have had something follow me home because I didn't protect myself. Um, and that's actually part of, uh, what we're working on—it's in the the new film that we're working on right now about attachments. Um, but I have had something that followed us home from a particular place and um, just tried to scare the crap out of me for three days. So <laughs> it did a pretty good job, but I got rid of it. <laughs>
2: okay, I'm going to have well, to ask. Go ahead, Chris. So that—that's uh, what a new show's is about. It's called uh, called The attack About people. That bring attachments, on, whether it's from haunted locations or maybe picking something up at an antique store, or even on the side of the road, you have no idea what happened in that, in that, uh, you know, a thing that you picked up, whether it's a chair or, you know, a piece of clothing or a doll, or a wheelchair. You don't know the tragedy that happened that might have connected the energy, might have connected itself to it. We have lots of stories that people have submitted as well. There's some of our own stories. Our house is full of um, antique, horrific attachments, whether it's an old uh, mental asylum wheelchair to a Nazi war leg to uh, a possessed-type doll that's really creepy or whatever it may be. We've gotten all these for our new show and and experiment on them and find out some incredible stories as well as what happened to Rachel. She was, uh, she bought an attachment home from St. Albert Sanatorium, and I I got severely scratched there.
3: On it, both legs? The only other scared? time I got
2: really scratched is when I was doing the exorcist story when I was in a hotel room, and I felt something had pulled me out of bed, and I'd looked at my foot, and there was claw marks on my foot. I'd seen a big shadow that had horn-like type, um... Features. So, you know, these are the stories that we're telling in the attached and it's really creepy. It's like five different stories of these people getting together, having intervention, because it's taken their lives over, it's changed their life, you know, for the worse, or some maybe for the better. But it's, uh, you don't, you just don't know what you're bringing home you home that somebody's had a tragedy or a serious connection to, and then somehow that, that item is now you know, is being sold and someone advised it, but it hasn't been cleansed. It hasn't been
1: uh, closed. So what would you suggest to somebody, Rachel? Because you just said you had an attachment and you were able to, to remove it from yourself. What do you suggest to people that may think they have an attachment or, or they do have an attachment? Uh,
3: well, I guess it depends on what kind of attachment it is. If they, if they feel it's an attachment to an item, uh you would have to get rid of that item. If it's causing you issues, you'd have to get rid of that item or take it back to where you feel the attachment was formed and uh, kind of like cleanse yourself of it or tell that attachment it no longer has control over your life. Uh, and to get to that point, it's like any addiction, I think, that a lot of people don't realize they have that addiction their attachment, and they won't accept that. They won't. um, It's like the first step is saying that you have a problem, right? (laughs) So a lot of people don't want to say that they have an attachment. They're like, oh, I'm fine. But then they get angrier and angrier and angrier, and they start taking it out on other people, when really it's this attachment, and they don't realize that they have an attachment. So um, to the people that do uh, know that they have an attachment, they need to find out uh, where that root, where it came from and attack that root and say, you can no longer affect me. And if they can't, and it's an item, they have to get rid of that item and then cleanse themselves.
1: Uh, Chris, I told you, we only got about five minutes left in the beginning of the show. I was going to mention the uh, show that you've got coming up next year. And I told you we'd catch it at the end of the show. You want to tell us about that real quick? Well,
2: the movie's called The
1: Attached and we're filming it
2: right now. And um, it's about, like I said, pastness, and uh, we're going back to some of the asylums to finish up some of the themes from it. It'll be out in 2020, and uh, we're aiming at it being a series right now. Um, so we're very excited about it. It's going to be, you know, obviously shot really well, and it's going to have some good, good actors as well, as it touches reality, kind of like the fourth science that so we're actually doing. The realism, but it also has um, some good acting font to the it's just going to be a really good series, so we're very excited about it. It should be out next year, and um, we're actually uh, heading out on the road starting on April 6th. So, um anybody wants to check out um, Rachel and I on the road, you can go to my Facebook page, Pittsburgh St. Booth, or go to Spook TV Events, s t o o k e d TV Events, and you can see that, um, where we're going to be at. We've got, like, 12 shows this year. Uh, including Scarefest at the end of the year. I mean, well, not at the end, but in September. As well as, uh, you know, the different go. We only do now about three ghosts this year. And um, you can find our movies on Amazon, on Sci-Fi Channel, on Destination America, on SpookTV.com. The DVDs are up there, and all the books. I write a lot of books, and my books are all over Amazon, if you type my name in. All all the stuff comes up, movies, books, and everything. But I do appreciate everybody that um, supports our arts. We also do photography and jewelry, all kinds of creepy stuff as well. So we appreciate (laughs) everybody out there that supports what we do. And and I just want to put a message out that let's not forget, as a paranormal investigator, what we're really supposed to do, and that's to create the closure and help them move on. It's not to look good on television.
1: It's really that it's to create closure. On well, about three minutes or less, Chris. You got anything you want to say to besides what you just said? That those that are just beginning to come into the paranormal uh, environment because they're they're basing a lot of stuff on reality TV instead of what actually goes on. And as you've been in it for many years and you've explored different places and you have done the work and you've you've done the documentaries, what's your best advice? You know, if you have any more advice to people that are just not getting into the profession.
2: Be real um,
1: for the right reason.
2: Um, be honest. Realize that you you are judged the minute you walk through that door. If you're really out there to find the energy, the energy know what you're really about. So you shouldn't be, you know, there to exploit it or, or to, you know, be a dick, so to speak. You want to be a, a decent human being so that, you know, one time is this energy was... You know, a human form that had, you know, it was either also, you know, was a bad or a good type person. So you should be able to feel that energy. So just to be real and treat people the way you want to be treated, that's the same as being a paranormal investigator. It's all from the heart. You need to, you need to hunt with the heart, not with, you know, the gun of fame. Not with dollar signs. Yeah. And
3: also leave your Leave your baggage at the door because the minute you walk in and you're, you're having problems or you're angry or you're upset, everything in that building knows what you're feeling. They can feel it too. So if you're going in there with anxiety or you're like not really in, in the right mindset, they will know it. And sometimes that can even drain the activity in a building.
2: Well, and also, they, they'll work off you, too. You know, your day will get a lot more work. So you want to be very positive and leave all that baggage outside that door.
1: Well, Christopher, Rachel, thank you very much for being on our show tonight. It was awesome. You did great. And uh, I hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, thank yeah you. definitely. It
3: was wonderful talking with you guys.
2: Thank you for having us. And hopefully, uh, we'll see everybody out there on the road. And if we can have a drink or something, would be great.
1: Well, I so think me and Kevin yeah, are going to try to get out on the road this year. It's been cold here, so we've kind of held out. But uh, we're going to get on the road. And I just wanted to say you, you two, uh, I've seen the work that you've done, and I've done a little you know, research on you. You're two good people. And, and thank you for what you do for the paranormal world.
2: Well, thank you. Thank we you. enjoy it. And and I think uh, you'll love um, the new show. It has a lot of emotion in it. Um, we're telling all kinds of stories that really open up what, you know, um, the story of this woman, it's just what women go through every day. It's not just about what this spirit that had lost some things went through. It's actually still, you know, relevant with today. So it's a beautiful story. I know you're going to enjoy it.
1: As I said, thank you for being here. Folks, if you want to check us out next week, we're on every night at 7 p.m. Central Time on bbsradio.com, Station 2. You can check out our uh, webpage, kentuckyghosthunter.com. As always, we're on Facebook at the, the Kentucky Ghost Hunter and the Kentucky Ghost Hunter Group and the Kentucky Ghost Hunter Show. So if you ever need to get a hold of us, just go to one of those, shoot us a message, we'll get back to you. Quick shout-out before I go to my wife, Chris. Love you. Also, I want to say hi to Andy, and I want to say hi to my son, uh, Casey, and last but not least, Denise. I hope everybody's having a great time tonight. Until next week at uh, Tuesday, 7 p.m., this is Kentucky Ghost Hunter with Kevin Quatman saying good night, and we will see you next week.